And I said, oh, you're highly creative. And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm not creative at all. I haven't produced anything. Right. And I think that's a really important point to look at in our culture. We're so left-brained, we, we focus on what have you produced? Or like, like creativity is about these products that we sort of push out. And these little like products or packages or things that other people should like, or that should be good, right? They should be, you know, of excellent quality or craftsmanship. And that might be part of it. But I, I feel like the heart of creativity is an inner responsiveness to beauty and self-expression, the self-expression of others and the world. You know, like being creative, it might be about taking a walk through the forest and really seeing the beauty of the trees and smelling the, the, the leaves and the pine and really having an experience there. It's not so much about what you produce. Welcome to the INF Club podcast. My name is Jazz Hoti, and this is the podcast for INFPs, INFJs, and other highly sensitive introverts. On the show, you'll find the stories and perspectives of fellow INFs and other special guests, as well as my own personal experiences. The hope is that these episodes will help you learn, reflect, and move forward so that ultimately you live better and thrive. Whether you're here for the first time or you're a returning listener, thanks so much for being here and let's get started. Hello, this is Jazz. Welcome, welcome to the second part of this series of conversations with my friend, INFJ writer and writing coach, Lauren Sapala. If you haven't already, you might wish to check out part one, where we talked about our entrepreneurial journeys and what that looked like as intuitive INFs. Today's topic is creativity. And as we always do when Lauren and I get together, our conversation goes deep and wide. So we go both down and out, if that makes sense. And some of the things we talk about include what creativity means to each of us, the creative process, how National Novel Writing Month can work for intuitives, being just around the corner if you're listening to this in real time, literally a couple of days time, how stories have a whole life of their own and a whole lot more. What we do for these conversations is pick a theme or a topic and then just naturally see where the conversation takes us. For those who tuned into the INF Summit, which was a summit for INFPs and INFJs that Lauren and I hosted back in February 2020, I reckon these conversations will have a pretty familiar feel. If you've got a question for myself or Lauren, we share details on how you can get in touch with us at the end of the episode. You might even have your question answered by the both of us on the show. We would love to hear from you. Just a quick reminder that neither one of us is a doctor or therapist or otherwise a licensed medical professional. We're merely just showing up and sharing our own personal experiences and perspectives as an INFP, that's me, and an INFJ, that's Lauren. If you'd like to jump straight into our conversation, right after this intro, just skip ahead five minutes where you'll hear the start of us talking about creativity. Though if you'd like to hear us gently ease into the conversation and learn about Bruiser, the elk of Whidbey Island, 
where Lauren lives. Just stay right where you are. No skipping ahead required. So do take a breath, sit back, relax, and I really hope you enjoy the conversation that unfolded between myself and Lauren Sapala on creativity. Enjoy. Yeah. Cool. I'm recording. Great. Okay. Yeah, I had like, my husband's got baseball cards all over the floor. My son's got his stuff here. It's been life with a five-year-old, almost six-year-old. Yeah. I just came from, it was nice. It was like a lunch with friends, which went on for like a long time. So it's like six o'clock here now. And I was like, well, I need to go. So I got in like 10 minutes ago. So I've had, yeah, quite a nice, quite a nice yeah, quite a nice Friday, actually. Oh, After that's a busy good. week. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, the energy has been, like, intense. Crazy. I Like, everything's okay here, but my clients, their lives are just going off the rails. I'm like, wow. Yeah, you said that on your email. I'm, I'm, I've been feeling a certain amount of intensity and definitely feeling that from others as well. Um, what, 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 what sort of stuff do you feel like there is one, one thing or like different things that are coming up for people? It's a lot of big life transitions, like jobs suddenly ending, relationships suddenly ending, people finding out they need to suddenly move, you know, like not, you know, just stuff, just like, oh, I didn't plan on that big life event happening right now, but now it's happening. Yeah. And I, I talked with Kat. I think a week or a week ago and she said that yeah it's going to be like this until at least mid-november well i remember yeah i spoke to her a couple of weeks ago and i also did my birth chart with her i remember now a couple of months ago and i do recall her talking about this sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, the intensity so yeah interesting interesting spell we're going through yeah, it was so funny on my call with her. The internet went out here for like a whole day. Oh, yeah. Um, some sort of like transformer melted. I don't know, but we didn't have internet in the house. But my husband is crazy. So we have internet in the car. Like we have a separate internet connection that just wow. goes to our car for him. So he's like, I told you we would need this. I'm like, okay. So I sat in the car and I was working all day. And I, did, I was able to do my Zoom call with Kat. And the elk that visits us walked by. And I freaked out. I was like, Kat, you got to see this. And I took my laptop and I was running down the road behind the elk. But then I lost the internet connection. You know what the funny thing was? When you mentioned your husband, I was literally thinking, I was, I was about to ask you, has he seen any more elk? Oh, we see the elk. It's one elk. It's the it's same the, elk. It's the one, yeah. Yeah, we see him like every day now. I think he lives across the street in the forest across the street from us. Like that's kind of where he goes to bed down at night. So we'll see him in the morning, like coming out, moseying down the road. And then we see him at night, like he's going to bed, you know, in the evening. But it was morning here when I did my call with Kat. So he was like coming out of the forest. And I was like, you've got to see this. And I didn't even think about it. I just like, she's like, I can't see anything. I lost you. So, yeah. So that's kind of like a warming. You've got like this little, like this creature who just hangs out. Oh, he's not little. I mean, he's the size of like... He's bigger than a horse. Like he's bigger than a big wow. horse. Yeah. Yeah, he's I guess great. elk, adult elk are they're pretty, yeah, they're not small at all, are they? 
No. Oh, and his antlers. I mean, his antlers are like easily the width of our car. Like they're big. And I, we actually read a news article a couple years ago. I guess he got a bicycle tangled up in his antlers, a full bicycle. Yeah. And he couldn't get him out. Animal control had to tranquilize him and remove the bicycle. Like that's how big his antlers are. And, and this was this elk in the news article? Yeah, because there's only one elk on the whole island. No one knows how he got here. His name is Bruiser. But he's well known. He's a fixture on the island. Like, he is known to the island folk as the lone elk of Whidbey Island. That's so, that's so interesting, because I would have thought there's just, like, a, a bunch of them. I wonder how, no, well, there how are in he, the how, area. Well, how did, he get, how did he get there? So there's a bridge off the island, and there's a ferry. So he must have crossed the bridge. Or got on the ferry. Yeah, or got on the ferry. Because <laughs> yeah, because we're an island, so there's elk in the area, but the island is isolated. Yeah. You know, huh. but there's a bunch of news articles about him. Like, also, he had a period of depression one year. He would was down on the beach. He wouldn't come up, and they had to like get him off the beach because he was sad. I'm I'm definitely going to Google when we get off the call. Elk would be island. Yeah. Oh, he's great. I mean, we see him all the time. My husband is like, I really want to go up to him, but if he gets spooked, his antlers could just really do some damage. Mm -hmm. I see you've got into the, the Halloween theme today, Lauren. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Per perfect. Well remembered, because yeah, this will be next time it will be our Halloween will be gone next time we're doing this. So yeah. Oh, should we start? I'm so, I could just keep talking to you forever. So could I. I, I want to know. <laughs> I, I really could know. Want to? I want to know more about this elk for sure. But yeah, let's let's start. I guess. Okay. Um, should we say who we are? <laughs> yeah. Let's you do probably that. should. I'm Jazz. Um, I run a community called INF Club, which is for INFPs and INFJs, and I'm all about. Uh, helping us live better in work, in life, um, just through understanding ourselves better, really, and um, stepping into who we are. I do that a mixture through a mixture of sharing my stuff and giving other INFPs and Js and other sensitive intuitives kind of a place to share their story as well. And you know, the idea is we all learn from each other. So that's me. And I'm Lauren. I'm the author of the INFJ Writer and the INFJ Revolution. Uh, I have a website, laurenspala.com. Tons of blog articles there about writing, creativity, intuition, being an intuitive feeler, personality theory, shamanism. I kind of cover like a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out, I don't say that enough, but I really like talking to people on social media when I'm there. So if you ever find me on social media, just give me a poke and be like, hey, what's up? We can talk. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we share, we'll share that information, the links in the in newsletters and uh, in the links that go out with this video, right? Cool. So today, I think we're talking about creativity, right? Yeah. What creativity. A, what a topic. Like, there's so many different bits to dive into here, but... Um, what, well, what can, comes I, up? can I ask you a question really? I mean, just to start things off. Cause yeah, sure. What does creativity mean to you? Like, how do you define creativity? I think we should start 
there? I was going to pretty much ask you something similar. So, yeah. Um, maybe what I'll do is I'll just say what comes up for me with that word or that theme. Creativity to me is um, soulful, innermost expression. I used to think of it as a thing that some people just did and you were a creative person and you were not a creative person. So I was quite like a, I was academic at school. I was kind of mathsy and sciencey because that's where I thought I was supposed to go. And I was like, yeah, I'm not creative. I'm no good at art. Um, I kind of loosely actually really enjoyed in primary school, like writing stories, but I didn't really think much of it. But actually the, the more it's gone on, uh, Lauren, creativity, um, gives space and for me gives access to things I can't through my rational brain. Um, so whether that's, uh, I'm, I, I like, I like music. Like I'm really, I, I really quite like exploring sounds. Like part of me thinks I really want to put like an album out there someday with music. I like, I like writing poetry. Of course my blogging, I've done some fiction writing. Um, but really, Creativity for me when I engage with it and when I engage with the creativity of others, it feels like the innermost It's like I heard someone's music recently and I ended up bringing him on the podcast because when I heard his music, I felt like I could Experience I experienced him and his soul deeply and I was and I just like knew I need to get this person on my podcast um, So yeah, it's like healing joyous soulful expression for me, I think. Mm -hmm. I love that you said interacting with the creativity of others, uh, because I think we miss that about creativity. You know, I was talking to a, a client the other day and I said, oh, you're a highly creative person. She said, she was talking about how she loves color. She loves bright colors and she loves um, finding beautiful pieces of art to put on her walls. And she loves being surrounded by beauty. And I said, oh, you're highly creative. And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm not creative at all. I haven't produced anything. Right. And I think that's a really important point to look at in our culture. We're so left-brained. We, we focus on what have you produced? Or like, like creativity is about these products that we sort of push out. And these little like products or packages or things that other people should like or that should be good, right? They should be, you know, of excellent quality or craftsmanship. And that might be part of it. But I, I feel like the heart of creativity is an inner responsiveness to beauty and self-expression, the self-expression of others and the world. You know, like being creative, it might be about taking a walk through the forest and really seeing the beauty of the trees and smelling the, the, the leaves and the pine and really having an experience there. It's not so much about what you produce. Yeah, like I'm getting from like, like there's something about the emotions and energy for me. It's like connecting through the senses, through feelings, through emotions, or yeah, this stuff. Um, and that, yeah, that pressure to create. And I feel like, you know, you don't have to be, it, it's, 
I think you captured it perfectly with the way we are so kind of right, right brained. Um, sorry, the left, left brained, left brained, yeah. left brained, rationally logical. minded, logical. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I have to be, you know, Mozart or, um, uh, Roald Dahl or whoever it might be. And you know, Im- immediately like, I think it, that creates, that can, can create such a barrier, um, to accessing that creativity like so simply without creating and going through that yeah there's definitely like the mozart roll doll i love both of those right me too and their works but i and i feel like that's where the perfectionism comes in i need to be this genius but there's also a thing about our consumer culture where it's like well i need to be steve jobs so i need to create something but then that something needs to make money do you know what I mean? Like it needs to be so inventive and original that it instantly brings me a lot of money or I can justify why I'm spending time, you know, on my creative life or creating things because it's bringing income. I, I feel like that's how we value and measure things in our society. Well, how much money does it make? Right. With that, through that lens. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Through that lens of income and, um, yeah, even calling yourself a creative, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a creative and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer. And, and you know, I am more comfortable in, in calling myself that these days, at least, you know, pro- online, online profiles. But there's still that, I'm, it's almost like I'm aware of that next question is, like, oh, so what have you written? And I've not yet put anything, put a book out into the world um yeah it's this weird that weird expectation the, the, the link to to money mm-hmm. or or even status like you said you're you're sort of anticipating that question well, what have you written which means what have you published yeah you know so i i think writers especially feel like they need to have this arsenal of titles they can pull out well i've written this and i published this you know, and I'm now a published author and I can tell you, like, no one asks me, like, no one cares. I've, I'm like, I've lived for this day when I can actually say, I wrote this and no one asks me. <laughs> so yeah, I'll co- tell them I'm a writer and they're like, cool. But the cool <laughs> thing is, is, it's great for introductions. Like my introduction was still, you know, I've got this, an I in a club and this is what I do. And you're like, I wrote this and I wrote that. So you can say that. But I know what you're saying. It's like the, we give too much uh, we focus too much on that um, and the acclaim like, oh, and there needs to be some sort of acclaim and it needs to be validated and the acclaim needs to be, oh, lots of people have consumed my art and or lots of people, lots of people have paid of it, have paid for it. So it's not like this weird thing. Like, again, yeah, my art has been consumed. It has been it validates me as a creative because people have seen it and they like it. It's, it's actually mm-hmm. quite an odd thing when we break it down like that. Yeah. And it's something I teach in my classes a lot when I'm working with people on perfectionism is I always say it's the key is to shift because everybody has the focus on how is it going to look, mm-hmm. whether they're writing a book or they're painting a picture or they're making a song. They're like, well, how is it going to look? And when we say, how is it going to look, we're picturing how other people are going to see it, right? We're really saying, how is it going to be received? Is it going to, you know, be up to the standard that it should be? And I always say, let's take the focus away from how is it going to look 
or how does it look right now to how does it feel? So how does it feel for you when you are writing? How does it feel for you when you are painting? Regardless of how it looks, regardless if it's messy or it's incomplete or it's confusing still, it's chaotic, how does it feel? And that's another thing I think people are very uncomfortable with, with creativity. Cre and I always say this too, creativity, it's a certain kind of energy. And to have the energy, to have an environment where creativity, that energy can flourish, you have to have instability. You cannot have this super rigid, stable environment container and pour creativity in it. It will just fizzle and die, right? It's like when you strike a match and then you put a towel over it. You take away all the oxygen, goes right out. Mm. Fire needs oxygen. Creativity needs instability. And I think that's why some of the most creative individuals we've seen over the course of history tend to be quote unquote unstable. Mentally unstable or emotionally unstable or eccentric, but they're not, they're not the mainstream stable, steady people, right? Yeah. And I, and I feel like the process and how you engage with it is quite a personal one. And like for me, where I have, sometimes where I trip myself up is thinking about the consumer at the other end before I've created it. And that kills the process. So I, um, less so these days because I think I've kind of built the muscle with blogging. Um, I create boundaries um, between, and I, I, remember, I know you, you talk a lot about boundaries and I've been revisiting your highly sensitive um, Firefly Magic book recently. I, with my, with my, my blogging and you know, with the book that I'm currently working on, have tried as much as I can to create this boundary between me engaging in the creative process and then me putting it out in the world. Um, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know that you've got other books that you've been writing and it kind of feels like, I'm, I don't know if it's for that reason necessarily, but you kind of do the same thing where you kind of engage with it. I know another thing you suggest is not necessarily to talk about, Oh, what is it you're writing? And mm -hmm. that was, you mean, when I heard that from you, I was like, you know what? You're so right. Because, um, people ask you and it feels, it's almost like whilst I'm any energetically still trying to bring it out of me, um, talking about it and, and this justification with someone it almost, uh, can meddle and interfere with the process. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a couple different reasons I say that. One is like the really obvious, you know, if someone's like, oh, you're writing a novel, what's it about? And you're like, well, it's about werewolves and they live on the planet Mars and, you know, they, they time travel. Someone's bound to be like, well, but that doesn't make sense. Or aren't there already a lot of werewolf novels? You should do vampires, you know? And so it starts those seeds of self-doubt. Like, oh, maybe the story isn't good or maybe there are plot holes or... And that's just never good. And then the second reason I say it's, it's because it really is like a pregnancy. You know, like when a woman is newly pregnant, she doesn't just tell everybody, right? Like it's this thing that you keep very quiet and close and private for a while mm -hmm. because it's really like, it could be touch and go. You know, you don't know how things are gonna turn out. It's an intimate thing. So you want to keep it close. And then a the last reason I'll say too, is 
I do believe stories have their own consciousness. I think stories are like their own living, breathing entities and they just want to be told. So if you tell the story enough times before you write it, a lot of the magic leaves. It's like the story's like, oh, you told me, cool. Like, I don't care if you tell me in a novel that you put on Amazon or you just tell me to the next door neighbor, but you told me I can go now. And if you do it enough, it's like the magic wears out a little bit every time you tell the story. <laughs> so I really believe in like, and people ask me like, oh, what are you writing now? And I'm like, oh, it's about some people. <laughs> I'm really vague. But I'm like, I don't really talk about my novels when I'm writing them. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about that first point where you're kind of describing werewolves and this and that. In describing, in communicating these conversations, they're very rational, rationally minded. You're thinking, okay, werewolves, this, and you're trying to connect these dots. You're not engaging with it as like a, you know, artistic being. So, um, and like I say, you end up, yeah, you end up feeling like doubting yourself based on someone else's reaction when there's, it just sounds it, it, so ridiculous because they've got no idea that, you know, you're, you're describing it through as best you can descriptively without them engaging with the nuance and the depth and everything else. So, yeah. You know what yeah. it, it, it's like telling someone about a dream you had, Yeah. right? Like to they, you, it was so intense. And there was yeah. so much in it. But then when you tell them, you can see on their face, they're like, okay, you were being chased through a field. I, I guess that's scary. Like they, they hear you logically, but they weren't there. Yeah. You could, yeah, you kind of had to be there. And I guess with the book, if it is there and you, and you put it out, they can be there and, you know, to a, to a, to a, to a certain extent and to a deeper extent than if you're just describing the book to them. Right. Or, mm -hmm. or a piece of music or, you know, um, drawing or whatever it might be um yeah yeah that's what you're doing with the novel it's like you're trying to bring them in the dream with you right yeah yeah really really interesting and i, I used to and i guess you know for, for both of us we both write so creativity I, I used to associate that a lot with with writing but of course it's not you've got um You've got dance and you've got music and you've got you know art and all this stuff and again i think the theme that runs through all of them for me is um that kind of soulful in emotional intangible expression which goes beyond words and, and rationality and, and all that stuff well so now this is interesting that you said dance and music because i have noticed i mean i've really at this point met hundreds of INFJs and INFPs. And it seems like INFJs are writers. Like they, that's, they're pretty much single-mindedly focused. Sometimes I'll find an INFJ that does something in addition to writing. Mm -hmm. But INFPs are writers and sculptors and painters and musicians. INFPs seem to be more like tuned in to color and sound and sort of the visual sensual elements of reality and i wonder i mean maybe it's because with the INFP their their intuition is extroverted so they're getting stuff from external reality where the infj is like kind of tunnel vision inside like i'm just going to be inside working out this pattern like a little mold you know 
I don't know. What's your, I mean, you said like you wanted to put out an album. You feel very connected to sound. What's your experience as an INFP with the different realms of creativity? Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. It's like, um, I've also come across a lot of, yeah, um, I, I don't know as many as you do, but I've seen INFJs and they write memoirs and they love and they're really connected to writing. And I really enjoy writing. Um, but I'm, I was really drawn to like uh, poetry and poetry that's kind of become songwriting. And so, yes, I think exploring with different, I guess with different, different senses in a way, or just a, a broader experience. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I, I found out recently actually that my, my N, my, my N and my S might be quite balanced. Mm -hmm. So, um, kind of sensing and taking things in, taking things in from around me. M music is really, um, yeah, something I really am drawn to and, and, and connect with. And I want to, I'm, I'm feeling a, a pull to exploring that more at, at, at some, at some point. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I see a lot. Of, yeah, INFJs. I keep seeing INFJs and, and memoirs lately. Mm -hmm. and, well, and again, I know you're, you're. Yeah, you've you've coached a number of INFs through memoir writing. Do they do they tend to be more INFJs than INFPs? Or, or not necessarily? Uh, yeah, I actually think you're right on that. I think INFJs are just so, um, and I don't say this in a negative way, but so self-absorbed. Like we really can just go inward. And, and we want to understand every single facet of our life and what it means and how the pieces fit together. And we want to have it nailed down. And INFPs sometimes will do that, but they seem more just focused on the art aspect of it. Well, it's funny because when I was growing up, I loved art classes, mm -hmm. but I, I realized at some point what I really loved about the art classes, like either in school or I would, I signed up for some at a museum when I was like 12. Cause I was just like, Oh, I love art classes. But when I was on my own, I didn't really feel the call to make art. And then I realized, Oh, I really like the people in the art classes. <laughs> and I think that's an INFJ thing. Like I liked being around these eccentric, funky, creative people who were so colorful and so talented and creative. I didn't really care about drawing pictures myself though. I mean, it was okay. <laughs> you know, it was like, but it, I felt the same way about drawing pictures that I did about playing a game of Scrabble. Like, well, I could do that for, a, for an hour, but, but I really liked talking to other people. And I think that's a, I don't, I don't know if INFPs do that as much, but INFJs will get interested in things. And then it's like, we're really interested in the creativity in that little world. That's so much more than the thing itself. Because we, we want to observe and write about it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And I guess now, connecting the dots, I can see why you set up that writer's group in San Francisco now and how that, all, how that whole part of your, your journey started. But, yeah, for me, um, like NaNoWriMo, for example, mm. what I loved... Oh, we got to talk about that, yeah. What I loved was the collective... And yeah, that's coming up, right? Is it next week? Or the week after? Yeah, November 1st. Yeah, today is yeah, seven days, eight days. Gosh, yeah. Um, but I did that a couple of years ago. Um, 
well, I've done it more than once, but a couple of years ago, I, I got to the 50,000 words and I really engaged with it more so than I have done, had done in, in other years. And I uh, ran a couple of local meetups myself and I went to meetups and as much as the meetups were great and I'm, you know, I love, I'm a, I love connecting people and, and that group and that energy. When it comes to writing or actually creating art, I find it very difficult to, I need to be in my own space. I feel like, like the energy of others energizes me, but for creating, it doesn't, um, you know, not so much. If it's, if it's, I think if I'm working on um, other things, I think I'm okay. I don't mind having energy around me. Or if I do have energy around me, it's like, you know, I go to my local cafe where I know a, like a couple of the folks there and we say hello, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm there just to have the warmth of human beings around me, but to get my work done. If it's like a group of us all, all working away, I'm too, I don't know. I feel like aware of the energy around me and you know, I, I, I need, yeah, so for me, I need to be in my own space when I create, it feels like. Uh, which is why, you know, I've been um, experimenting with like writing, silent writing sessions. Mm -hmm. And we did one of those on, on, on camera and now we've done a couple just being off camera where you just kind of say, hey, on the, on the, on the, on the forum, um, I'm in. Um, and I personally preferred not being on the camera and, and, and checking in and signing in like that because I just I guess it was nice knowing that there are others there with me joining me which is why again I, I like that about NaNoWriMo you can engage with it in different ways and I don't have to necessarily turn up to physical meetings but yeah there's something about when I'm writing being in my own space for me well the thing about NaNo is every end of October I get like a flood of emails from people and they're like should i do nano is it good for intuitive writers is it bad yeah am i allowed you know, to like, do do they ask am i allowed to do nano <laughs> yeah and well and it's funny because i'm actually releasing an article and a video today about it because i've gotten right. so many and i'm doing a class in november that goes along with nano a live class mm -hmm. but i always find nano can work really well for intuitive writers if they take the focus off word count and they put the focus on time and energy. So it's not about hitting 50K words, right? You're, it's not like, well, I have to write 2000 words a day to make my goal or 1500 or whatever it is. It's about challenging yourself for one month to regularly sit down and put these protected blocks of time around your creative life and seeing what happens. I mean, and you don't have to do it every day either. I mean. And that's the thing I think most people, when they think about writing or being a writer or creativity, they picture that like Stephen King. I mean, I love Stephen King, love him, but he's really responsible for, for this myth in large part because his writing routine is so well known where he's like, oh yeah, I write like eight hours a day. Like he gets up in the morning, he writes all morning, he takes a nap and then he gets right back to it. And that's great. Um, what he's also not saying is he probably is writing on a lot of different projects and he's working with people on screenplays, you know? So I think people picture that like a real writer gets up and devotes like hours every day to writing. And that's just not realistic. And I can tell people, I always tell my clients this, they're shocked 
um, I've got five published books and I've got like six more brewing like on in, you know, in the pipeline to be published. And I write once a week for an hour. Oh, and I Sunday. have, yeah, usually on Sundays. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even write once a week. Sometimes I write once every other week and I've been doing this for 14 years. It, it works. Like it produces, if you show up over enough weeks, you will come out with something at the end of it. You will come, you know, and if you're still, if you like plug away at this novel, you just show up persistently. You don't have to write fast. You don't have to like be working four hours a day. I think it's just those myths get ingrained in yeah. writers' heads. Like I'm not a real writer because I don't do this. Mm -hmm. And Nano, so Nano can help because it can give you the push, but I think it can also hurt if you're like, oh, I didn't make the 50K goal like i suck you yeah. know if you're already kind of beating yourself up about and it you're trying to, and, you're, and you're trying to push too hard you're like i meant to write every day and i've, and I've missed that and, and what have you yeah that's an, yeah and i actually i love that it's an example of um it's just yeah it's it's a it's lovely that once a week has led to you know you, what did you say you got six books in the in, in the pipeline in, I've in got, yeah i've got five published and six in the pipeline so i've got like 11 books wow did you ever, out of interest, experiment with? Because obviously, I feel like if you could, if you went from once a week to seven times a week, I mean that's kind of extreme and and and, and like a little bit like oh. Uh, but did you ever experiment with writing twice or three times a week? So, I'm I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna trust that the intuitive people out there will know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is gonna think I just sound crazy. If I write once a week or once every other week and I wait for the characters to show me the next piece, then it's like I'm writing the story into being. If I push, if I try to go faster or I just try to produce, then it's like I'm just making stuff up. And there's a difference. Do you know what I mean? It feels I like when I'm just making stuff yeah. up, I'm just making, I'm just pretending that I know a story and I'm just, I'm making up a story. And when I go at the pace of the actual story, it doesn't feel like I'm making it up. It feels like I'm discovering it or remembering it or finding it, yeah. but I'm not making it up. And if I, if I cross into that territory of making it up, the whole thing collapses. I hate it. I dread it. The story sucks. I run into dead ends. Nothing makes sense. I mean, that, that happened to me years and years ago. And I, I have never, ever tried that again mm -hmm. because it was such a disaster. And I, so many people come to me in that state of disaster where they're like, I had this great idea. And then I got on a schedule where I had to write every morning for two hours. And within two weeks, everything fell apart. Yeah. Well, that's what happened, even though I, I got to the end of the, because, you know, I'd not done it. And I was like, you know, come on, Jazz, this is a year. And I, 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 I honestly, I got to 50,000 words about a minute before midnight on the last day. So much so that when I went in to log in online, my words, I had to change my time zone because it was like, your time has expired. And I was like, no, but I did it before. But I was forcing it out and, and 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 the more it got to the end the more it was forcing and it, it was and it didn't feel great and um even with like things like i think just zooming out of writing necessarily looking at like life when it came to like my 
own kind of work projects. Oh, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this out. Something would come to mind. And then I'd always like, one of the things I do is just like, be like, oh no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I need to get better at committing to things. I just need to do it, do it now, do it now, do it now. When I now fall, um, for example, when it comes to INF club, when I've been thinking about, you know, trying something new or this and that, A, I've not gone into it all guns blazing, but B, I've let the idea, given it some space to percolate and then see how I feel about it. And then when I feel that, and again, I've heard you talk about this too in, in different courses of yours that I've, I've taken, you feel it when, once you feel um, like almost like full or you can't stop thinking about it or it's ready to come out, then you'd be like, that feels like a good thing to do now. So um, yeah, for me, it feels better giving things space and not rush, 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 force, 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 force. Well, I think, yeah, I think the thing is, it's about listening. And when you're rushing and forcing and you're just focused on like, I got to write 50,000 words, you're not taking the time to listen to the characters or the story. Like the, I'm working on a novel right now. And sometimes there's a main character. She's very close to me. She doesn't know I'm there, but I'm like, I can totally see her and hear her. Um, but she... Sometimes she'll show me the next piece. And before I write it, I can see it clearly. I'm like, oh, they're all sitting in the cafe. And then one person says this. But other times, like yesterday, she actually showed up and I, I couldn't see anything. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to write because I can't see anything. And I heard, not from her, but I could feel that just sit down and just start writing and do your best and it'll come. So I knew, and I've gotten that before. So sometimes it's like, I see it and I know to write it. And sometimes I don't see it, but I know it's time. And if I sit down, something will come, mm -hmm. but it's very subtle. This is not like a trumpets blazing message, drums banging in my head. This is a very subtle energy that it's taken me many years to really connect with and think and feel like, Oh, there's something there. I can feel it. It's ready to come out. I don't know what it is, but I can sit down and trust that, you know, and I sat down, I wrote 600 words. It was not this torrential waterfall. It was not a complete scene. It was this little 600 word nugget, but it was, it was there, you know, and I, when it was out, I was like, oh, that was it. That was the thing that was ready. Mm -hmm. So, but that takes time and that takes listening and, um, more like a gentle touch. I feel like nano can be great, but nano is not a gentle touch. Nano is like, like you said, all guns blazing and people get very intense about it. Mm -hmm. That can work if you have that sort of aggressive personality, but I think a lot of intuitive people don't have an aggressive personality. Some do, but a lot don't. Yeah. Lauren, do, do you feel your stories come from you yourself or from outside of you oh and, outside and I, yeah mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask you that because i'm taking your intuitive coaching course at the moment um and there's lots there that i that i connect with and i know you talk about neutrality and i know you talk about you know outside and you know i heard you talking about story having its own consciousness and i thought about you know you know you're talking about whether it's consciousness or god or the universe whatever your belief system um and so uh, I, I, I'd, I'd imagine, because this, this feels like this is what I'm feeling at the moment, I'm, I'm noticing where it's me, my ego self coming in and like 
forcing the story as opposed to the story coming to me and being channeled. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah, really I, I that definitely sounds really feel weird. outside. But, I think yeah. so that this goes down to a um a core issue that so many INFJs and INFPs struggle with. I think we legitimately receive energies from outside. I think like that's what being an empath is, right? So you're in a room with somebody, they feel sad, you receive their sadness from outside you and you absorb it into you. But in the scientific worldview, it's the other way around. You see that they're sad, your mirror neurons are triggered right. and you're reflecting their sadness and so then you feel sad but that's all going on inside of you. That's a chemical reaction happening totally inside of you in reaction to something you're seeing on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of INFJs and INFPs, that's why we feel like we're crazy or we doubt ourselves because we legitimately, I think, get stuff from outside. We get um, other people's emotions. We get messages. We get information about our environment. We get stuff from outside, premonitions sometimes but we live in a society that sees everything as this chemical reaction caused by the inside. It's your DNA or it's your brain chemistry, or it's you being triggered by something, it, you know, whether you want to look at like traditional psychology or biology or whatever it is, but I don't think that's the whole story. And again, I, I mean, I could go off about this for hours, but I think this is the left brain consciousness society, right? Like, it's, it's scientifically impossible to receive information from the outside in that way. So we don't, we don't give it any credence, you know, and INFJs and INFPs, this is the way we live. Like this is our everyday reality. I mean, I received so much from the outside. I thought I was crazy for years. I thought I was mentally unstable. I was like, I have mood swings. I really thought I might need to be like on medication and once I understood energetically what was happening, I was like, oh, I'm good. I never felt mentally unstable again. It all clicked into place. I mean, of course, though, some people might say I am totally crazy. And I've talked myself into this belief that I'm receiving energies. And I'm like, I don't care. It works for me. This, I feel like this feels real to me and I can go with it. It feels real. Right. I feel like that's what I say sometimes when I'm speaking to someone who I get the vibe is really rationally minded. I'm like, with even, even having the belief, it's like faith. I honestly believe that whether there is something great out there, I, I, I truly believe there is, but even having the belief that it's a useful belief to have right in and of itself which mm -hmm. I feel kind of is like a, it's a rational explanation, but it's, yeah. You've written memoir as well. Um, and again, memoir, uh, as, as personal to you. So again, was that still, do you feel channeled from somewhere else? Because obviously is that a little bit different because you're obviously talking about your own life experiences in, in memoir. You know, that was slightly different because those were the first books I ever wrote. Right. So a lot of people think INFJ writer is the first book I ever wrote. INFJ writer, I think was actually the sixth or seventh book I ever wrote, but it was the first book I ever published. But so people see that and they're like, Oh, that's the one that like people know me because of that one. And that was the first one. 
but I had been writing and writing for many years before that. The first book I ever wrote was Between the Shadow and Low, which is on Amazon, and that's autobiographical fiction. And I, when I was writing it, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never written a book before. I was in a silent writing program. You know, I met with these people once a week. It was, and it was a big program. There were probably like 100, 150 people in it. It was at this big mansion in San Francisco. It was this huge banquet room. Um, but I would go once a week and I just, it would just kind of pour out of me. And because I hadn't written for so many years, I think I had stopped writing completely for like seven or eight years before that. It was just kind of all this like gunk coming out of me. And it was so messy and so chaotic. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I see that with a lot of intuitive writers who haven't written for many years. When they start writing again, it's just like clearing out the pipes. You know, it's like a rusty pipe. And I'm like, you got to let the water run and get all that sort of sludge that's built up in you out. And then the water starts running clear. So for me, it was three books. It was like three books worth of like, this is what's happened to me for the last 10 years, you know? And once that was all out, the stories started coming through. The more channeled characters. That's really interesting. Because when I started writing, you know, I, I said, oh, primary school, I loved writing stories. And then I went down more of a math, science, traditional, what I thought I had to do route. But then I started blogging pretty much when I left my job. And it was like, I had a lot to say of things that had been building up, which I, you know, reading, looking back at the sort of stuff I was, I, and I wrote about, like, I was working in recruitment. I was like, uh, wrote an article about like, oh, how the way, how recruitment should really be. And I wrote about, you know, my path and I, wrote, I was writing stuff about happiness and all this stuff. So I think, yeah, maybe without realizing it, that was my gunk coming out. And again, um, not 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 judging it because I think everything that I think that was necessary, but I was definitely more like writing just from a more yeah probably just to clear it out, but also more like I guess more 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 rationally if that makes sense. Like I'm thinking this, I just need to get it out, and um, but or maybe those were just some of the layers which needed to be shed for me to really access the inner the 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 the, the I was going to say innermost, probably always getting closer to inside, but yeah, layers of an onion is what's coming to mind, maybe. Yeah, I like that you, you brought up your blog. I don't know if I started reading your blog in the early, early days, but I was reading it like a, like a while ago. I remember when you, you were like awkward brown guy. Was that your... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like that's how I first knew you was awkward brown guy on Twitter. Right and I was reading your way. blog and I think this was like, God, 2015, 16, 14 even. I mean, it was, it feels like it was a long time ago, but yeah, I remember those articles where you, you wrote one on, um, you went on a job interview and got ghosted and you were kind of like, what happened? You're like, it went so well, like we really connected and then I got ghosted and I just loved that. And I think that's something people forget about creativity. We're so ready to think that people are going to judge us on if it's of this certain quality or if it's genius. I read your articles and I just really connected with you. You know, your energy was in those articles because it was you, you wrote them, your energetic fingerprints were all over them. And I liked them. I was like, oh, I really connect with this guy. And it didn't matter if you were talking about going on a job interview or recruitment, you know, it was, it was the energy. And I think people forget that, that when you 
put your creativity out there, it's like this little porch light and other people can see it. And if they, if it's an energetic match, they'll show up. So it attracts more of your people into your life. The more you put your creativity out there. I think people forget that. That's really cool. I, I never actually knew that because I've, I've run various blogs and they were mostly about like being an introvert as myself. Awkward brown guy. Yeah, I was writing stuff like that. And I also, was also writing like poetry. And the nice thing for me about that at that time was um, the anonymity gave me some safety in that expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to know that you, that was the writer that you came across of mine because I always assumed and it was like word and I wasn't really putting it out there anyway, like I was my other blog. So, um, but like WordPress, I've got like their own community. So that's really yeah, cool. I, didn't know, had I, didn't like know a, I think your Twitter profile was like the little, like a Simpsons cartoon <laughs> character almost, right? Like, yeah like it was like an emoji um and then they started like in court doing like the like the emoji with like different shaded like skin shades so i chose like a brown emoji with like a confused face like yeah yeah but because i was like i wonder what this guy actually looks like because you didn't have your picture anywhere yeah it, it was ilka brown guy it was that and uh yeah i think and again if I compare my my blog writing to my, I guess yeah, I said I was going to say my art, but I think for poetry, and you know, I said I keep, I feel like I keep repeating myself here, but my poetry, and like I say, this guy's music who I heard, I feel like, I, and I'm a real big Avicii fan, EDM Avicii. I really feel like I can feel him and what he was going through when he made those songs. And my poetry, uh, some of it's quite like deep, vulnerable stuff. And like my, some of my blog articles are as well, but it just feels like with poetry, it, it feels more raw and vulnerable. And I think that's why I felt safer at that time, um, at least putting that behind uh, like a, another name, Awkward Brown Guy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, creative writers start out that way. And yeah. I get that question a lot from people like, should I use a pen name? Um, and I don't have anything against using a pen name. I always say, if you're using a pen name out of fear, you might want to look at that. You know, if you feel like you can't speak your truth in a way that feels safe, you can't participate in self-expression in a way that feels at all comfortable. It just, you know, then you might want to look at that. But I also know writers who they're like, well, I write mainstream fiction and on the side I write erotica and I want to use a pen name for the erotica because I don't, you know, I want to have separate brands or I don't want my fans to like be turned off because I write in this other weird genre. You know, I'm a big proponent. I'm like, I'm put it all together. Like I write transgressive fiction. I write really happy self-help. I just put it all under one umbrella. I'm like, this is, this is me. Yeah. Because you know, I, I feel like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, Lauren, you know what you said about the energetic fingerprint stuff. It's like we read all this stuff about, you know, having a niche and this and that. and da, da, da. You know that your energetic fingerprints are going to be in everything you put out. So your people will find you. Whether you talk about one topic or you talk about 20 different topics. And I feel like the, 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 the vibe I get from you is that that confidence and that knowing has only grown over time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I really, really see now it's about people connecting with you, not your brand, not how glamorous your newsletters look or, you know, like I have this, um, this woman I watch on YouTube, she does relationship stuff and attachment style stuff. And I love her. And I send her videos out to people all the time. And a couple of my clients, I, you know, I just talked to this guy yesterday. And I was like, Oh, did you see that video? I sent you? He goes, yeah, you know, I just can't connect with her. There's nothing wrong with her. She, he's, she's obviously got a lot of good information. She's very, you know, articulate and lots of knowledge. I just can't connect with her. And I thought that's so interesting. It, it's not about her not having the knowledge or her not being competent in her field. She knows her stuff. She's very professional. I connect with her. Other people don't. Just like I'm sure some people don't connect with me and other people do. Yeah. Yeah, re yeah, really interesting. Um, and and I think, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. You were talking about, you know, the anonymity and, and uh, we were talking about that part. My, my feeling is, um, having experienced it myself, you know, to go from like not really writing to writing or, you know, people want to start a blog or put a book out there, whatever it might be, right? First, write for yourself and don't think about, because I think it's really overwhelming to be like, okay, I'm going to write some stuff and it's going to be really meaningful. I'm going to put it out there for everyone to see. Just start writing stuff for yourself. Start opening that tap, see what comes out. And then again, slowly, like, so for example, like for me, like I would avoid, even now, if I can help it, I avoid writing something, editing it and putting out all in one day, because that's quite a, energetically emotionally intense for me i'm like okay i'm gonna get this out of me and then on on another day further down the line then i'm gonna edit it and then put it out because again i'm creating that some distance and i'm um you know because it's almost like getting it out is like one like emotional hurdle and then the second emotional hurdle is the edit and then the third emotional hurdle is getting it out in the world and if i'm being really honest with myself i say you know i create this distance at that stage one, I'm kind of loosely aware of the end reader, maybe. Stage two, I'm editing. I'm like, I'm thinking about the end reader. Stage three, I'm like, this is going out to the end reader. So um, especially when you start out, write for yourself. Don't even think, don't even necessarily think I have to put this out there. And then slowly over time, you can start putting things out there. And here's another thing I think I would tell myself. Oh, you got to find your niche and all this and that and the other. Just mm -hmm. no, just see, see what feels good to put out there. See what maybe people respond to and just see how it takes course. Cause I think I put so much pressure on, okay, I've got to write about introversion. What are all the things with an introversion? Let me do a content schedule and plan. And I don't think for me as an intuitive person, it felt like square peg round hole type stuff. And I got to say, and I know like, I'm, I'm getting into triggering waters here, but I've talked with you about this and other people. I feel like there's a lot of content out there on introversion and introverts, and it's, it's a lot of safe content. And I can see where people have made that their niche. And then they're like, I'm going to stay very safe within that niche. I'm only going to talk about A, B, and C. And they never go outside of that. And I think that's where you lose creativity too, is when, you know, you're putting out, content on the internet or in some public forum and people are responding well to it and then you get scared that if you deviate from that 
if you start talking about something else or you know you start adding more of your own passions in well they're not going to respond as well so you keep yourself in this little box and that's the thing with creativity you can't play it safe you can't have it both ways you cannot have this like rich vibrant creative life and also be very safe and get the applause every time and not rock the boat and not make any waves and everybody likes it you cannot have it both ways mm. i think the energy also the imprint starts to shift and get stale and people will on the other and yeah and you know you might still be getting so like, oh yeah like all these people you know still reading and this and that but um it feels better to roll with you changing and, and seeing being curious as to where that leads you've that's, i've experienced a lot of fear when it has come to making any shift even from you know one blog to another or from you know inf club was called introvert jedi before and I was like, oh, this is going to be, um, I'm calling it something different. Like, what does that mean? Like for, you know, there are not many people at the time who are following it. But yeah, I think um, if you do, if you let yourself shift in the direction that feels good for you. Um, yeah, the energy, I think, again, that whole energetic imprint stuff, you'll put, you, ideally you want to put like, the imprint that feels the most good out there that comes from like a nice like oh i'm really into this and i think people again do receive that and pick up on that and then of course lauren a whole other thing is um being okay with change and some people being like oh okay this has changed not for me anymore i'll unsubscribe mm -hmm. um that's also going to happen isn't it there's so much fear about and i i, I i've still not gotten over it completely for myself i hold my hands up oh i've kind of uh sometimes oh especially early on oh, i'm at the i'm at the mercy dare i say on my email list oh man I, I really owe them like i need to give them what i think they have come to see me and know me for now it can and that can kill the creativity you know bringing it back to creativity oh yeah i, I think that's what happens with a lot of celebrities right? Like they're known for a certain TV show or a certain type they play. And then they kind of get frozen there because mm. everyone expects them to be that thing forever. And of course they're not, especially if the, it's a younger actor or actress, they grow up, they change. They're not the cute little kid on the sitcom anymore, but no one can handle that. It's like, no, but we want you to stay exactly what we expected you to be. And it also comes down to, you know, like, well, why are you doing this? Like with my blog and my work, I'm not doing it for the applause. You know, when I first started out, of course I wanted the applause. And I think that when you first start out, you're just so focused on like becoming a success that you can't see anything else. Like, well, I just have to create more videos. I just have to write more content. I just have to get more likes. I have to get more subscribers. And I get that, you know, it's good to be focused on that kind of stuff, but you have to see beyond that, that, well, what happens when you become a success? Are you then going to be a slave to those subscribers? Are you going to be a slave to what people, what kind of content people want from you just because they expect it? You, I mean, what kind of life is that as a creator? I'm, really? I'm just thinking it, it, it's possible, but frightening to be like, I've been grinding out like, you know, 
every day I've forced myself to write or put out content or whatever it might be and it's not felt good and then I've got to this point where I've got these all these followers and I'm like okay or subscribers and it's oh great um but now I need more I need to keep growing keep going before you know it you can be in a place where you're like kind of somewhere along the line I don't know what's happened but this stuff that I'm putting out just isn't me and this feels really bad and really icky and but I've got all these um but again, this stuff doesn't get talked about um, no. because it just, you know, what we see is all about, you know, that growth and, you know, find the, 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 the business. And I think all of us can be, we can be, you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, we can be free. We can get all of that, which we seek, but just, um, yeah, I found that just my, 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 my journey and what's, what feels right to me is a little bit at odds to a lot of a what I've seen out there, experienced, or b my maybe my perception of, of what it is. Because I think a lot of the the more real, authentic, nuanced stories get lost in that sea of hustle and more, and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, it's funny because I get people a lot of like fellow online entrepreneurs will ask me, they're like, "Why don't you just teach the same like?" class over and over again like why don't you just create a class called the infj writer based on the book and just teach it over and over and i'm like i wrote that book almost five years ago (laughs) like i'm glad it's helpful for people people really like it but i wrote it over five years ago i'm i've moved on and i don't want to teach the same thing over and over like i always do these classes and i'm always like this is the only time i'm going to teach it people are like why like because i get bored (laughs) i don't want to teach the same thing over and over i want to like figure out new stuff and play with it and experiment. That's what really lights me up. I mean, maybe I could get a bunch of money if I just taught the same thing over and over. But if I get bored, like if I feel like I went through all of this of like shifting my mindset and leaving my day job and figuring it out, I I went through all of that so I could have this creative work for myself life and I end up on this treadmill where I'm bored, like, Really? That's, is that the whole thing? No. Hmm. Like I, I did this because I don't want to be bored. This means yeah. so much to me. Yeah. Maybe and you're crazy. Well, your, your story, Lauren, it, it's, it feels like, you know, steady, steady. And, you know, I love, because I, I, I know you've run the blog for how many years has it been? Uh, God, I think it almost eight years. Yeah, almost eight. So nearly eight years. And then you started coaching and you're really honest in saying that first year, maybe you had four clients. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, I think, I, I, you know, a little bit over a little bit over a year ago, you went started going at this full time. 18 months. Yeah. Wow. Has it been 18 months? Gosh, yeah. it goes quick. Because um, I remember talking to you, you know, when it had, when, uh, when it, I think when it was just happening. Um, did you have like a goal, like an end, like a goal. Did you, did you envision yourself eight years ago to be where you are now? This, did you have a clear idea, a hazy idea? Well, the thing, I just had a desire and I didn't want to, like, I wanted to um, have interesting work that I loved and I didn't want to work for other people. I've never done well in hierarchies. I just, I don't do well. I didn't like school. I didn't like, like I liked the social aspect and figuring out people's personalities. And I liked the academic part of studying on my own. 
-hmm. But I hated being in a classroom where you had to raise your hand and there are all these rules and and like college, same thing, where like everyone's trying to to get a degree and get a job and internships. Like I just hated it. It just felt so stupid to me, you know. And then I'd work at all these different companies, and same thing. Like I have to come in at a certain time and I have to even if I get all my work done, I have to sit here and do nothing until five o'clock because what? that's the rule. Like that's so stupid. Why like, why is the point? Yeah. If I can work faster and better than everyone else, then I should get to leave early. <laughs> you know, that makes perfect sense to me. Or, or like you're watching how much, like I took 35 minutes for lunch instead of 30 and someone's like clocking that. Like yeah. my head could explode. I was just like, I want to be out of that. Yeah, I don't, like, I, I don't like the control uh, and the free freedom. Uh, I've come across many INFPs who talk about freedom. INFJs as well, mm -hmm. but with INFPs, this whole freedom vibe seems to be strong. Was that was the driving force. That was always my, that was where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know what this is going to look like. But I know I can't live this normalized work a day life. Yeah. And I, I worked for a big firm, medium firm, small firm. And then I was like, I've tried different firms. So it's not even as if, cause I, you know, I went through a phase where I was reading a lot about startups and like how cool they are and funky and you've got ping pong tables and there's less hierarchy and it's flat structure. And then I worked for a smaller company and I was like, yeah, this is still kind of sucky. And there's still like a lot of control here. <laughs> this is still not good. I'm running out of, I'm running out of organizations and industries I can try the universe seems to be pulling me in one direction mm -hmm. and that direction was doing my own thing. And it was then a case of, you know, I, I, my first business was like this education program and you know, it's going to be this big thing. And I was like, hold on a second. It's going to have to be big investment, lots of employees. No, not me. I want to be free. Just me, maybe a virtual assistant one day. And you know, a couple of other, couple of people at most just me. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. like I knew, I got to know the ingredients more and more over time. And then it was just, apart from that, it was like a little bit of um, putting one foot in front of the other and just trying stuff out to see what fit. And then I, it, it, it continues, but, but yeah. Well, I remember my I old job. I interrupted you while she were talking. No, I was just saying my old job. The other thing was everybody else hated it too. And that was normalized. That was like totally yeah. normal that we all knew None of us really wanted to be there. All of us wanted to be doing something else with our lives. But we came in day after day and just got through it and were bored to tears. And that was actually one of the better jobs. You know, like my boss was fine. He was friendly. He wasn't like a manipulative psychopath. He was a sweet guy. <laughs> like that was an okay office, really. By, by as far as offices go, that was a good office. But still, everybody I talked to well, if I had, you know, if I really could do anything, I, like one woman I remember, she said, oh, I would love to be an opera singer. That's my dream job. I want to be, and she had this great voice, but she was like the head of marketing. And she's like, well, but this is, this is a good paycheck. It's steady. I have health insurance, you know, another woman was like, I think I might like to go back to school and be a teacher or a nurse, but I, this is such a good paycheck. And she was like a financial, you know, numbers woman. But it, everybody was like that. Everybody had this like dream on the side that they had convinced themselves was like impossible or unrealistic. So they were just going to come in and do this boring job every day. And that just, that just like made some part of me inside just wither up and die. I was like, I can't be in this environment where people think this is normal. This is not normal for human beings. 
Yeah. I, I remember, yeah, well, for me, like there was me and this one other guy called Phil. Phil left a couple of months before I did. And I was so, I was super jealous. And we kind of, <laughs> I, to be honest, I, it was, I, it was going to be one or the other where like one of us, because it was like, yeah, but we, we were both going to like, startup events and like because we were both kind of exploring entrepreneurship and just something different but i remember just getting on the train into london all these people in suits and you know some people who were you know there's a really kind of old guy in a suit and i'm like you should be retired like what, what why why are people why are people doing this um and yeah i just grew more and more like i just didn't i didn't get the school system to university to this and i became more disillusioned with like it felt like i'd you know at one point i was saying uh i remember when this was really raw and emotional i bumped into this guy from my year who i didn't know too well who just thought i was crazy and i was just like i saw him at one of these like startup events and i was like he was like working in consulting looking for something different and i was like i was like we were sold a lie weren't we <laughs> our school we they, they sold us a lie and he was like <laughs> <laughs> but i was like i've just met this conveyor belt like we just landed here like they, they, they've sold us a lie and he, he just thought i was a bit weird um <laughs> you're like we're in the matrix dude yeah Come on. We, yeah <laughs> that's literally what i felt like lauren and i was like all these people and i mentioned I, I mentioned avici earlier and i was listening to his music around this time and there was this like i think it's lyric from one of the like the videos where um this like woman is like she's basically a therapist and she said I feel like I'm stuck in like uh, someone else's dream, like go to school, get a job, get a mortgage. I'm like, what do I feel like? I feel like I'm dying inside. And then mm -hmm. the therapist is like, let me get you some more pills. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this is like, this is what it feels like. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. Interesting. We need, to, we need to actually devote the whole the next conversation to this because I could talk about this for hours. I think so. I yeah. So yeah. No. Me, me too. And um, yeah, I'm keeping keeping an eye on the on the clock here, uh, and I feel like a nice way to maybe um, sort of kind of uh, bring this to a to a gentle close is maybe to ask you the question you asked me right at the beginning, um, like what creativity is for you what it evokes for you um, for me creativity is my inner life that's yeah. the simplest way i can put it it's my inner life and that's where i spend most of my time and i have since i was born that's mm. that is my inner landscape my inner world it never changes it does but it doesn't it's like a different planet i can go to and it's that's my real life it has nothing to do with where I work or how much money I make or even how old I am. You know, I, when I'm in that place, when I'm in that world, that's where it's timeless. It's eternal. And I feel like I can time travel there. I mean, I feel like I can I feel like I can do a lot of things there, but that's what nourishes me. That's what feeds me. And that's where I go when I'm exhausted or I'm depressed or I'm at a party and I just can't talk to anybody anymore. It's like I go in. That's creativity to me. It's this, it's the imaginal world. And what does it look like? Because I feel like I, you know, I, I, I might hit 
be listening in on this and i'm and you know you've talked about your books and i'll be like yeah creativity is lauren and she writes her books that's her creativity but i'm getting the sense that it's something that that's not that might be a part of it but that's not it mm-hmm. so what are those what what is what does that look like as such it's not um it's not even about like what it looks like as um what it feels like it's a place of power right so when I am there, I'm, I'm saying like a location, you know, even though it's not a location, I can peer into other worlds, like the worlds of my characters, like parallel realities, you know, like I said, I can time travel. So I can peer into other worlds, um, but it's also more of a feeling. And sometimes I'll get glimpses of it just out of nowhere. I'll be doing the dishes and I'm Lauren Sapala in the year 2020 in you know washington like doing you know and then like all of a sudden i'm there and i'm i'm not anyone my identity is gone you know this year this time is gone all that stuff is i just i can just move outside of time i can move outside of all these constructs and it's like i'm just i'm just energy i know that sounds really nebulous and vague it's kind of like yeah man it's all energy <laughs> you know like I, it's kind of like tommy chong but that's really that's the best i can do it's really hard to verbalize mm-hmm. um, and i would say you know i read somewhere dostoevsky said about revelation when you have those true moments of of feeling god or coming to that knowing of god you absolutely can't verbalize it you can't describe it to anyone else you can't convey it to anyone else it's that's revelation Mm-hmm. It's completely intimate and personal. And that's how I feel like my creativity is. It's yeah. revelation for me. My creativity, that's how I know God. And it's, I don't, I'm not saying that's how I worship God or that's how I connect with God. It's just, it's like the knowing is there of like, oh, it's not just me. There's all this, there's this other force, this other power. I'm connected to all these other people. There's so much more than what I can see or what I can feel. And it's that awareness of the more. I guess that's what it is. It's an awareness of the more that I can't control that comes and goes. But it's a place of power. Mm-hmm. I also get that when I experience moments of like connectedness with others. So, like I mentioned, these four guys I went to lunch with. You know, we what were we talking about today? Like, um, like our dads. And like really similar experiences we've had with like both like dads and like both of our parents, but mostly our dads. And we just felt so it was just like such like a pure, heartfelt, vulnerable moment. And um yeah, call it God, call it collective energy, whatever you will, but it's that pure again. I'm I'm noticing some I get it's different for the experience, it's different for all of us, I'm sure. But, you know, I keep talking about, you call it the inner world, you know, I called it, you know, soulful, emotional kind of stuff. I think I even said expression, but mm-hmm. probably doesn't even have to be expression. Um, that's the, uh, that kind of creator and kind of artist and I need to create coming out. Yeah, I probably don't even need that word in there. It doesn't have to be expression. Uh, what a conversation. Oh, I love this. I know, right? Again, a, a really not light, not breezy conversation for people. It's like, hey, get ready. I can just see the description. We talk about God, the meaning of life, 
Honestly, Lauren, like naming these, like from the, my podcast, and I like naming my episodes. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I have to draw out like a. How do I name this episode? I could call this episode twenty different things because. I know, right? It's always fun. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe the the Whidbey Elk with Lauren and Jazz. Oh yeah, the lo- he's known as the Lone Elk of Whidbey Island. Anyone can look him up. He's gorgeous. He did almost take out our car window the other day, but he's gorgeous. He walked by and we were like, oh no, there goes the window. If he Gosh. just moves his head, it's like. <laughs> Can you imagine like bike on his antlers, like car on his antlers might be a, a vehicle too far. Honestly, he's so big, I can't. Like when I read that, I was like, oh, of course he got a bike caught in his antlers. He's so big. Yeah, he's big cool. and old. We call him the old man. My husband and I call him the old man. Mm. Well, um, this has been great. Just want to remind people, um, you can email us, writecitysf at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I'm jazz at infclub.net. We've both got newsletters, lauren at laurenzapala.com, mine at um, infclub.net. We both like being contacted and we both respond as us, actual humans, rather than like magical elves who we get to do you know, our work for us. <laughs> uh, so email us about... Um, you know, anything you like. And especially if in these conversations off the back of this one, if it's about creativity, if it's about whatever else, um, yeah, I can safely say we both love, you know, we'd love to hear from you um, and connecting and experiencing those moments of creativity digitally. Well, and I also want to say, if you're watching this before November 1st, I am doing a November class. Yeah. That it's- 30 days of live silent writing sessions over Zoom. I'm going to be teaching once a week on Monday evenings, but also in addition, every single day in November, I'm doing a live silent writing session over Zoom. You can show up to all the sessions. You can show up to one of the sessions. You can pick and choose the sessions that work for you. I tried to do a good mix so people in Europe could come over because I know you're jazz, you're eight hours ahead. So I tried to do some morning ones here. So it'd be like six or seven in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're doing nano, if you're not doing nano, look into it. Cause I think it's going to be a game changer for people. I'm, I'm calling it like a creative experiment. I want to see what it looks like if we all go through, you know, devoting protected time blocks to our creativity every week after a month, after 30 days, how do things look? Does it make a difference? Do things change for you? And having the community, I do a private Facebook group too, with every class. Awesome. Yeah. And you, you're, I know you, uh, everything goes on your newsletter, doesn't it, Lauren? So that's mm-hmm. the place to, and actually the book I mentioned earlier, which I've been revisiting, which it's really cool when you revisit stuff further down the line, because you just take new stuff from it. Cause I think we all change and you know, it's just really cool and you get what you need at different times. You're giving that away free with your newsletter. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get firefly magic. If you sign up for my newsletter, I mean, you get the ebook version, um, I mean, but yeah. yeah, I've heard from a lot of people. It's very, helpful. And I mean, I wrote that one a couple years ago. I, I feel like there's still a lot of relevant stuff in it, though. Things haven't changed that much. Um, but yeah, I talk about social media and like you said, boundaries and money issues and the emotional blocks around marketing. Marketing's hard for INF people. Really, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Till next time. Same time next month. We'll, we'll see you guys then. Yep. Till next time, uh, next, November. And then I'll have updates on how everybody did during the. Yeah. Oh, looking forward to hearing that. <laughs> Sounds great.
Bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode and have taken away something from it. I wanted to mention again the blog, newsletter and membership community that I run for INFPs, INFJs and other highly sensitive introverts over at INF Club. You'll find lots of content to help you learn, reflect and take action and I also send out a free weekly newsletter to subscribers. So if you're enjoying the podcast and want to find more resources that will help you along on your journey, just head over to www.infclub.net. To find show notes for this episode and for other episodes, visit www.infclub.net forward slash show notes. I've been Jazz Hoti. I still am Jazz Hoti, as far as I know. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again here very soon. Bye for now.